But we're in 1 Samuel chapter 30 this evening, and I'm not going to read the whole text. I'd like to read the same exact verses we read this morning, verses 1 to 8, but for time's sake, we're going to go right to verse number 6 through 8. And uh, notice what it says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people were, were, was grieved, everyone, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And we learned about sheltering in the Lord this morning when we fall to rock bottom. But, and verse number 7, And David said to Abiathar the priest, and Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ethod to David. And verse number eight is our text verses. We have one. And David inquired at the Lord saying, shall I pursue after this troop? Now David was a lot of things. David was a man of God. Uh, David was a man after God's own heart, of course. David was a shepherd. David was a, a servant. David was, a, a, of course, a son. And he was a brother to his uh, seven brothers, of course. He was a lot of things to a lot of people. A father, a husband, a uh, of course, an uncle and so forth. And, but above all these things, David was a soldier. The Lord, he came to his commander-in-chief and he said, uh, uh, shall I pursue, and he'd been going hard for three days, probably four days, we referenced that this morning. Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he said, that's Lord Jehovah God, said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them and without fail recover all. And uh, when verse number eight, we see that word pursue. You know what God was saying to David? He's saying to David, after all he'd been through, he'd been running for 10 years for his life and so forth. He said, go on. Keep on going on. Keep on keeping on. I want to talk about going on tonight in, uh, in reference to David's life. But good soldiers always go on. They go on in f f four different ways. Good soldiers don't give up when the battle gets hot. And David was in a lot of a lot of real heated battles, of course, starting with David and Goliath, of course, and many times with the Philistines and so forth. David knew what to, to say in the battle when the battle got hot. David's soldier, good soldiers go on even in the face of overwhelming odds. We see overwhelming odds in this chapter here. We referenced it this morning. We'll not take the time to do it tonight. But uh, the 400 went up against probably 4,000, 10,000. We don't know how many, the Bible doesn't say, but four, only 400 escaped of those Amalekites. And so there was a massive army. They fought all day long, 24-hour battle. And uh, after five days or so of traveling, good soldiers go on in face of overwhelming odds. And good soldiers, thirdly, know their cause is just and right. And they fight for God and country. In this case, David fought for uh, the glory of the Lord, of course. And fourthly, good, good soldiers... Uh, obey their commanders. God said go, and David went. So I want to talk about just going on tonight in the minutes that we have. I'm going to try to I have a lengthy message, but I'm going to make it short. We're going to try to be out of here by 6 o'clock tonight here, because I get tired at night now, so that's why we're going to get done by 6 o'clock. I blame it on you, but I'll just blame it on myself. So uh, let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I need your help, Holy Spirit of God, to communicate tonight. I need your strength and uh, Lord, I pray that you would overcome and uh, you'd be glorified. And Lord, thank you for David that he learned to go on in his young age and in his middle age and in his old age. Lord, help us to go on when things get tough, we pray. Lord, help us to be good soldiers of Jesus Christ and endure hardness as a good soldier. Give us strength, we pray, supernatural strength, uh, 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 sustaining strength, and we'll thank you for it. Bless the minutes that we have around thy word, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask, amen. I have eight sound bites. They're not really sound bites, but I'm trying to make them sound bites tonight in regards to going on. 
And we already referenced again this morning one of the, the first ones that I want to look at. David, good soldiers of Jesus Christ, like David, go on in spite of defection. Go on in spite of defection. And we've already read about verses 9 and 10 and just glance at them again where the 600 went off to battle, of course, and 200 were so tired that they stayed by the Brook Besor and, and, uh, they, and the other 400 went on, of course, and we, we chronicled that story. But defection takes place, and we chronicled why it takes place in many cases, maybe times because of discouragement and because of exhaustion. But sometimes defection happens because of defilement. I want you to turn back to 1 Samuel 15 quickly, if you would please, and just glance at this long chapter. We're looking at the last two verses of the chapter, verses 34 and 35 here in a minute. But this is a story of Saul, King Saul, the first king, the people's choice, uh, that uh, became king and was anointed by Samuel, and God gave him permission to do that, of course. And uh, in this chapter, Samuel is, rather Saul is commissioned to go and wipe out all the Amalekites. Now, if he had done that, David wouldn't have gotten in trouble later on, and David had to do it, in, and again, I referenced that. In uh, chapter 19 of this chapter, David, or 20, don't quote me on that, I'm just pulling off the top of my head, I forget what chapter it is, but David could have... Uh, uh, saved himself a lot of anguish if Saul would have done his job, but he didn't do his job. And Saul is a classic example of a leader that defiled himself. There are Christians that will defile themselves, of course, leaders that will defile themselves. And, and uh, in verse 34 and 35 of chapter 15, then Samuel went up to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah of Saul, and Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul. That's, Samuel was the prophet. Saul was the king, of course, but he was rejected by God because he didn't obey. He didn't kill King Agag, and he didn't kill the. He saved the best of the cattle. You know, you don't know the story of 1 Samuel 15. And the Lord repented that He had made Saul king over Israel. And so we see this defilement of Saul. Saul was head and shoulders higher and taller than any man in all of Israel, of course. And he was the people's choice. David was God's choice for a king, of course, the shepherd boy, obviously. And uh, Samuel was so grieved that he mourned for Saul, but he didn't see him until the day of his death. And we get to chapter 16, notice verse number one. And the Lord said unto Samuel, how long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn now and go, and I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided me a king among his sons. And of course, that's the reference to, we see the anointing of David later on in the chapter, obviously. And Saul, Saul was rejected by the Lord. What was God, Lord God saying to Samuel the prophet? Samuel was mourning because Saul was rejected. And God said to Samuel, essentially, go on. Keep on serving the Lord, even though Saul's rejected. And folks, there's no such thing as an indispensable man. Uh, I, for you, I look around the room here. There'd only be about four or five or six of you, maybe at the tops that would know what I'm referencing. But uh, I remember there was a famous name in fundamentalism and Baptist lore and not too many years ago and, uh, in my lifetime, of course, and, uh, America's largest preacher and a superstar and so forth. And folks followed him and and listened to his cassettes and his tapes and so forth. And, and uh, for years, people almost worshipped the ground he walked on. And I know because I was one of them. And, uh, and but God's not, there's no such thing as an indispensable man. 
Uh, God, God will not deal with pride. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And Saul was rejected. In fact, in chapter 15, it says of this, uh, verse 17, it says, And Samuel said, when thou, he's talking to Saul, when thou wast little in thine own sight, was thou not made head of the tribes of Israel and the Lord anointed thee king over Israel? But uh, we get to chapter 16 in verses 13 and 14. If you just glance at them for time's sake, and I may not read them, but uh, the spirit of God left Saul and an evil spirit from the Lord uh, uh, settled upon, troubled him. Uh, and Saul lost the Holy Spirit of God, of course. And uh, this is Old Testament uh, theology, of course. But uh, what should be our reaction when we see others fall through defection? Now, Saul had a hard fall. And uh, David, of course, and this is the man that's after David's life for the last several years, 10 years maybe, thereabouts. He got jealous over the fact that the ladies were saying Saul is slaying his thousands and David is slaying his ten thousands. And he got jealous over the victory that the young shepherd boy, David, uh, slew the Goliath with five stone, with a stone and a sling, of course. You know the story so well. And uh, Saul got jealous, of course. And... Uh, uh, he led to his defilement and defection, of course. And uh, So what should be our reaction, though, when others fall through defection? First, if possible, our first reaction should be that of reconciliation. God's given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, God is the author of reconciliation, the author of forgiveness. And Christianity 101 is, uh, is a reconciliation business. And David tried to reconcile a number of times with Saul. He wasn't at fault, but he tried to reconcile. We go through the chronicles of uh, 1 Samuel. We can see where twice Saul tried to kill him and, uh, with a javelin, of course, and, and uh, hunted him like a dead dog, like a flea, David said. And, uh, but David tried to reconcile with his king, with his earthly king, that is. And uh, if secondly, what do we do? What's our reaction when there's defection? Uh, well, we go on for sure. Uh, we determine to go on, even keep on serving God even when others fail. They, they, either they get too tired or exhausted or defect or they, they defile themselves. And the song says, the world behind me, the cross before me, the world behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. And uh, though no one join me, still I will follow. We see this back in our text in First Samuel 30 again, that... Uh, David goes on with the, the, three, the 400 and he's lost 200. Of course, he goes on anyhow. And so uh, there should never be a Christian, and mark this down, this may be the best statement I make tonight. There should never be a Christian that becomes so great in your eyes that if that Christian were to fall, it would cause you to fall as well. Our eyes are not on other Christians. Our eyes are on the Savior. He's the author and finisher of our faith. Get your eyes off man. There's no such thing as a Super preacher, I know, and I'm looking at Ray, and uh, all of a sudden here it just popped in my head, and Ray, in fact, he might not even know, come to think of it. My wife knows, and after that, I don't think anybody knows, but I know a preacher who was here in Connecticut, or rather, excuse me, in New England, I should say, and uh, a number of years ago, baptized hundreds every year, 850, and I think in one year's time. He's in prison for life right now as we speak, and uh, he defiled himself, and uh, he got lifted up with pride, and he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison. And, uh, but what should be my attitude? I should pray for him, of course, and, and uh, wish God's blessings upon his life that he might be reconciled as, long as, as much as he can. Now he's lost his family, he's lost his wife, he's lost his children. 
I think he has grandchildren and they have to go to the jail to see him now. And uh, once upon a time, he was a revered pastor here in New England, of course. David learned to go on in spite of uh, defection. But then go to 1 Samuel 17, and let me just try to give you the bullet point without reading the verses for time's sake. 1 Samuel 17, verse 26 I'm referring to. And uh, go on in spite of misunderstanding or go on in spite of rejection. This is uh, the famous story of David and Goliath, of course, and as David comes to the battlefield and Brother Tony preached on this a couple of weeks ago. Remember, he came to Eliab and he says, well, what's his son circumcised Philistine doing out here defying the armies of the living God? And, and Eliab, this is Marty Shot translation here, he says, Eliab said, get lost, kid. Get out of here. You don't know what you're talking about here. He's a man of war. And, and uh, David said, is there not a cause? And of course, David, David stood up to his brother. Of course, he was misunderstood. David just wanted to do the, he wanted to have God glorified. And that's all he wanted. There's no room for jealousy in the work of God. First, the jealousy came by Eliab, and then it came by Saul. The Bible says in Proverbs 6.34, For jealousy is the rage of a man, therefore he will not spare in day of vengeance. Song of Solomon, chapter 8, verse 6 says, Jealousy is cruel as the grave. The coals thereof are as coals of fire, which have a most vehement flame. There's no room for jealousy in the house of the work of God, in the, in the church of the living God. This is back to Bethel Sunday, and we don't need any jealousy or envy or strife and division that we're going to be finding out in, in the weeks to come, in, like was in the church at Corinth on Wednesday nights. We'll be preaching on the church at Corinth and the church at Harvest. And uh, David, there's no room for... David was being misunderstood, and people were jealous when David killed Goliath. First of all, they said he couldn't do it, he did it. And then after he did it, of course, they got jealous. And uh, David could have said, well, if people are going to misunderstand me, I just might as well quit. If you quit every time you're misunderstood, you might as well quit tonight. Because uh, good soldiers are, are, are uh, they're misunderstood. And be careful when I say this, but for the, and now I'm looking at Ray and Bonnie. Ray, Ray was in on the, the build of this church building. The, I always make the joke, the Jehovah Witnesses have a three-day build program where they build their Kingdom Halls in three days. We had the three-year build program, and uh, three years and three months to be exact. And uh, it was uh, tough sledding there for a while, of course, for a long while, long, long while. And uh, folks said, what, is, what are they doing? I w- Here's how dumb I was. Let me just, uh, just, just uh, this just popped in my head. I was so dumb, I didn't know before you broke ground in a million-dollar building that you were supposed to have money, that you were supposed to have a loan. And uh, when they found out at City Hall, this is Town Hall, I'm not making any embellishment at all. This. When they found out that we didn't have any mortgage, we didn't have any denomination behind us, we didn't have any money behind us, that we just broke ground with no money, man, did they have a, well, I would say they had a canary, well, I'll say it that way. They, they, they had a fit, they had a hissy fit, I was going to say. And uh, uh, they went crazy, of course. And uh, uh, go on in spite of, but we, we, we trusted God, and, and David trusted God, and he went on and he went into that valley of Gath against Goliath, even though many people misunderstood him and said, You can't do that with a stone and a sling and no armor. And well, God did it because God's, God's uh, uh, it's the battle's Lord's, of course. David knew that. So go on tonight in spite of defection, go on in spite of rejection. Thirdly, Let's go on in spite of persecution. Go to Samuel 20, 1 Samuel 20. I'm hurrying through these eight sound bites. We're on the third one here. Verse 20, verse number 1. And David fled from Nahoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, What have I done? 
And of course, Jonathan's father, Saul, is sought to kill David. And what is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father that seeketh my life? And thirdly, I want to encourage every Christian to go on in spite of persecution. In spite of persecution. And we don't really know what persecution is. We are, our persecution is we get laughed at a little bit for being a Christian. And we have it pretty easy here, but... Uh, um, persecution really should be is, is as natural in a, the life of a Christian as conflict is in the life of a soldier, in the life of somebody on the battlefield. Second Timothy 3.12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Mark it down. Persecution is going to come. And David was persecuted. All he was doing was trying to give God the glory, and it got him to where he was hated so much that his own people wanted to kill him. Well, fourth truth, and let's go to chapter 22 now, two pages over probably in your Bible, chapter 22 of 1 Samuel. I'm going so fast I'm getting ahead of myself here. It's, uh, you know, first, that's, that's correct. Uh, I read it this morning again. I referenced it, verse number two. Uh, David, he's hiding in the cave of Adullam. He's hiding from Saul again on this several-year uh, uh, hide and seek and uh, running for his life from David or from Saul rather and everyone verse number two is verse referenced and everyone that was in distress and everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them and there were with them about 400 men notice fourthly that good soldiers go on in spite of outright opposition you say how do you get that these are the men that he gathered together, and we get to chapter 30, and we need not turn there, just reference, these are the same men that want to kill him. He's the one that rescued them, and now they want to kill him. And uh, they're going to go into battle, and they're, going to go into, and they're going to fight hard, of course, but then they're going to get selfish and say at the end of the battle, of course, that the 200 that were left to be sort of don't get anything, of course. And David said, no, it's not going to be that way. We're going to share the bounty and share the blessing, of course. And servants of the Lord, good soldiers of the Lord, need to understand that we must not, our striving is not with men, our striving is with Satan, and our striving is, uh, 2 Timothy 2, 24 says it this way, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, let me tell you who your worst enemy is. And I've said it 114 times, 115 times. Your worst enemy in your life is that person you see in the mirror every morning. That's your worst enemy. And uh, as, soon as, you, better, as soon as you know that, my worst enemy is not you. My worst enemy is not even Satan himself. My worst enemy is me. And uh, quit blame shifting and take the responsibility. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure or perhaps will give you them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. The truth is we need to be, we need to serve the Lord in meekness and fear and reverence. Truth is we're nobody without his power, without his strength. And uh, so go on in spite of outright opposition, of course. People that once uh, were your fellow soldiers will turn around and want to kill you. And, uh, and you think of Moses, Joshua, and Caleb, all deliverers. All three had their own people wanted to kill them. Think about that. Anybody you want to hear want to kill me from time to time? No, 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 I don't want to know. And uh, I, I wouldn't blame you sometimes. Uh, sometimes I want to kill myself, and pardon me for being facetious or being a little silly, of course, but, but I think you know what I mean. Sometimes 
uh, I say, a big dummy, you know, I say that to myself, why did you do that? Why did you say that? Why did you? I look back on some of the things I've said and done over the years, and I just cringe. It just, it's amazing that uh, I haven't been run out on a rail many times here. But like David, learn to go on in spite of opposition from within and opposition from without. But number five, if you're keeping track, go to 2 Samuel chapter 2 and look at two verses there. 2 Samuel 2. David is now, uh, Saul is now, has now died in battle, and Jonathan and his two brothers have died. And, and we get to 2 Samuel chapter 2, and we look at verse number 4. And as soon as I get there, there it is. And the men of Judah came, and there they anointed David, king over the house of Judah. And they told David, saying that, that the men of Jabesh-Gilead were they, they that buried Saul. And remember, in this reference in verse number 5, David sent messengers unto the men of Jabesh-Gilead. They were the men that came in the middle of the night and stole the body that was pinned on the wall of the Gath, of the Philistines, rather, that they took David, Saul's body and they beheaded him, remember? And... Uh, and they hung his body up. And these men of Jabesh-Gilead risked their lives to get the body of Saul and give him a decent burial, of course. And you would have thought these would have been David's enemies, but they were David's friends. David commended them in verse number 5 and said unto them, Blessed be ye of the Lord that ye have showed this kindness unto the Lord, even unto Saul, and, and have buried him. And so... Uh, Hold on. Oh, I'm a mess. There, I, I put my, my fifth point down. Go on in spite of promotion. You say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, if you study this out, and we'll do it quickly, uh, go on in spite of promotion. David, uh, Saul was the king uh, and uh, he was demoted, of course. Obviously, God allowed him to be killed, of course. And David became the king of uh, Hebron, first of all, for first seven and a half years. But the Bible says there was long war between uh, the house of Hebron and the house of Judah, of course. And uh, David, it took seven and a half years. He reigned th seven and a half years in Hebron and 33 years in Jerusalem. And it took a long time to bring the ki kingdom together. And David... Of course, promotion is sometimes very hard, of course. Promotion comes not from the east or from the west, but comes from the Lord, of course. And, and uh, it's tough to do to be promoted. David honored Saul in his burial. And he honored Saul and uh, eulogized Saul and sang a song for Saul. And he could have said, well, that dirty rat is gone now and I'm king. He didn't do that. He humbly took this new position and he went on and did it right, of course. And uh, I was seeing a special uh, on... Uh, one of the history channels about uh, George Washington and uh, uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, the first three, four presidents of the United States, and how there was a peaceful succession, of course, and that a lot of Americans want to make George Washington the king. And George Washington said, no, I'm, first of all, I'm the president. And he stepped down after two terms, of course, if you know your American history and so forth. And God brought other humble men in their own way. Some were a little bit proud and so forth, but John Adams was a Christian, and then Thomas Jefferson, they were, they were president and vice president, and uh, they were, one was a federalist, one was an anti-federalist, and they had 
odd one, one with another, but they got along together and they, they had a peaceful transition of, uh, which really preserved our republic, or preserved our country because our politicians, can you imagine that, actually got along and actually worked together one one another, that's amazing. And so we see this go on in spite of, in spite of promotion. But uh, then, then let's go to chapter number I'll get it. Chapter number 11 of Samuel, 2 Samuel chapter 11. Again, a famous passage of scripture. And this is David's great sin with Bathsheba. And go on in spite of an infection. I said this morning, and I'll say it again. I, I don't know about you, but I take great comfort in knowing that even great Christians can make bad mistakes. And David made a terrible mistake, of course, he made a terrible sin, and he had tried to hide his sin and committed murder, mass murder, in order to cover up his sin with Bathsheba. I'm sure almost everyone in this story knows the story so well that I don't need to review it, of course. But go on in spite of infection, of course, and David had a fourfold uh, a penalty because of his sin, of course, of, uh, after Uriah was killed, of course, and the... the uh, the uh, plague that came on David's family, of course, was fourfold. Remember he said to Saul, or rather to Nathan the prophet, uh, when the, the analogy was given about a man that stole, a rich man stole, had hundreds of sheep in his flock, and a poor man had one sheep, and uh, he took that poor sheep and sacrificed that poor sheep instead of one of his sheep, and David's anger was kindled, and he said he should restore fourfold. David pronounced his own judgment on himself, of course, and and uh, we see that David uh, uh, had a fourfold. His son died, of course, uh, on the, the seventh day, of course. And then Tamar was raped, and Ammon was killed, and Absalom usurped the throne, of course. And so, but in spite of all that, David said, David went on in spite of infection. And again, I'll be careful here. You know, secrets that I've had for my whole adult life, of course, that I don't broadcast things, but... I allude to some things, but I know a certain, well, a very good Christian, one of the best Christians I know. I've known, known this person for working on 50 years now, 45 years anyhow, and uh, very successful, highly successful, a, a pastor, and uh, very, very, uh, did much work for the cause of Christ. But he had a fall, and his fall wasn't near as bad as what people have made it out to be 30 years later. And, uh, but I, I look at all that he did, and I look at all that he, Lord, how the Lord's used him and so forth. The, the thing that amazes me the most about him is uh, how well he has been, he's been rejected, and he's been his, his one stumbling block that another man would have done, and not a pastor, that he'd get away with it, no problem at all. But being a pastor, uh, it was uh, a mark against him, of course, that'll a stain on his, uh, his character that'll be there for the rest of his earthly life. But it, it amazes me, he goes on in spite of the fact that People think he's a dirty dog, that people don't forgive like the Lord forgives and so forth. And, and uh, people have made it far worse than it is. David ended up serving the Lord. He wrote some of his most beautiful psalms after his fall. After his fall, David became a sweeter Christian. And I, I've said this, and I'm going off tangent for a little bit here, and I'd be careful here. This just popped in my head. But I've seen this over and over again. We were in a church last Sunday morning at Cape Fear Baptist Church, and a certain fellow you wouldn't know walked up to me, of course, and from New York City. And he's down, living down in Wilmington, of course. And uh, 
been divorced and remarried, of course, and so forth. And, uh, but I noticed the sweet spirit of God, and it seems to me like I've seen this over and over again. People that have been divorced, not all people. God's never for divorce. He's always for one man with one woman for a lifetime. That's God's plan. But for one reason or another, that doesn't always work out. And this is not a blanket statement. I'm painting with a broad, broad brush, of course. But I've seen many times the people that have had failure in their life, have had falls in their life, had divorce in their life, many times they become more sweeter Christians after their fall than they were before their fall. And it's interesting how that works. And so uh, David was a sweet Christian who was a man after God's own heart before his fall, but he became a man after God's own heart with God's cleansing after his fall. And so go on in spite of infection. Go on. You say, I've stumbled. I never can be used of God again. Yes, you can be. God's the God of the second chance and the third chance. I have to be thankful for that. And the fourth chance. He's the God of reconciliation after all. And so thank God for that. And so then, then seventh and eighth here, and then seventh point, Second Samuel 15. And if you want to just turn there and... Uh, I'm just going to reference this, this, the, the story here. This is David's, one of his uh, penalties for his sin, of course. His own son rises up against him, and he's, his Absalom, that is, and he's, uh, and go on in spite of insurrection. Go on in spite of insurrection. And again, I will never tell you, and I don't know if I've ever told my wife, but a certain uh, somebody, uh, I had a preacher call me, oh, it's been a year ago, year and a half ago now, and uh, his uh, pastor is, was being insurrected by somebody that's, I'll just say, uh, one preacher that actually passed, was actually in this pulpit or preached from this pulpit on a few occasions. And uh, that pastor tried to rise up and destroy this pastor. A man, one man of God tried to destroy another man of God to his shame. And this pastor called me. And, uh, and uh, my best advice to him was go on, love him, and uh, try not to say anything bad about him. And uh, in fact, try to say something good about him and go on and serve the Lord. And uh, we see in 2 Samuel 16, uh, or first chapter 15, rather, uh, Absalom usurps the throne. And that leads me to number the eight, eight, eight truth. Go on in spite of not only insurrection, go on in spite of infection, but go on in spite of criticism. We get to chapter 16 now of uh, 2 Samuel, and this will be our last passage that we'll look at here. And, summarize this here tonight, here in the minutes that we have. In chapter 16, verse 5, uh, go on in spite of criticism. Uh, when David's fleeing for his life from his own son, there's a man that comes in verse 5, and when David, King David came to Beirum, he's running for his life again. This time he's running from his own son, and the whole house of Israel is turned, against, turned towards Absalom and against, uh, his, against David. Behold, there came out a man of the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei. Now, Saul would have, or Samuel would have done what he should have done and just killed all of the household of Saul. He didn't do that, of course, and I'm being facetious. Shimei wouldn't have been alive, but he, he kept the house of Saul. In fact, he showed mercy to the house of Saul. And uh, it says in 2 Samuel 16, 6, and he cast stones, that's Shimei, cast stones to David and, and all his uh, servants of King David. And all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left hand. Verse 7, and thus said Shimei when he cursed, Come out, come out, thou bloody man, thou man of Belial. He, character assassination, he accused David of being a man of Belial. Now David was a lot of things, but one thing he wasn't, he wasn't a man of Belial. He was a man after God's own heart. And he loved the Lord. Even, even when he made his mistakes, he loved the Lord. And uh, he was never a man of Belial. And, uh, but uh, 
I love what, uh, uh, go, skip down to verse number nine, Abishai, the son of Zerurah, David's five-star general, son of the king, why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over there, I pray thee, and let me take his head off. I like that. Let me take, he, he wanted to chop, chop a wampahinky, pardon me, he wanted to take that sword and just take that, shimmy his head right off, that dead dog, how dare he talk to the servant of the lord, the captain of the, the lord of hosts, David, like that, and uh, and uh, David had to rebuke him, of course. And, uh, uh, and the king said to, to verse number 10, and the king said, What have I to do with thee, son of Zerurai? So let him curse, because the Lord hath set, said unto him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Wherefore hast thou done this? Verse number 11, And David said to Abishai and to all his servants, Behold, my son, which came forth of my own bowels, speaking of Absalom again, seeketh my life. How much more may, may now this Benjamite do it? Let him alone and let him curse. It's amazing. David said, David said, uh, uh, David was essentially saying, go on in spite of criticism. And when David wins the battle, of course, against Absalom, of course, and he was brokenhearted about Absalom, remember the story? And then he goes back and Shimei's there and he's, David crosses the river, he's there and says, I'm sorry, master, I'm sorry. And it's Marty shot in interpretation, of course. And David said, and Abishai wanted to kill him right there on the spot again. And David said, no, let him be. Let him be. I'll be his king too if he lets me. And uh, serve God even when people misunderstand you. And so uh, what did David do as a good soldier of Jesus Christ? We see it in 1 Samuel 30. Uh, he... He said, I'm going to go on in spite of criticism, in spite of opposition, in spite of failure, in spite of infection, in spite of insurrection. Uh, I'm going to go on and I'm going to serve the Lord, of course. And uh, why did David go on? Let's end with this here. Let's go to Psalms 27. Psalm 27. And while you're turning there, one more verse here we'll look at and we'll call it a night here. Why did David go on? Well, he was a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And... The Bible says, Paul said, I have fought a good fight, I have kept the faith, I have finished my course. Henceforth there is laid for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord the righteous judge should have given to me, not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. David, going back to the funeral that we had three, three days ago, by his own admission, David didn't live the, last, the bulk of his life, 40 years, he didn't live for the Lord. And then he got that cancer. And one of the preachers said it in his funeral, his two-hour funeral on Thursday, he said he didn't, he didn't uh, live well, but he finished well. And there's something to be said for that. And I say this humbly, but I've been trying to live for the Lord, and I, try, I know many of you have, and I could start picking on some of you here, and I, I could start naming names here, and I won't do it. I'm tempted to. But some of you have been living for the Lord for many, many, many years, and God bless you for doing that. But uh, finish well, too. Finish well. And may you hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Psalm 27, verse 4. Why did David go on in spite of everything that he faced? Well, he had love and desire for the Lord. He said, one thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. I don't know about you, but it gets tiring from the Lord from time to time, and I, I confess that even in my own life. And I don't want to default in my old age. I don't want to give up in my old age. I thought it would be easier serving God the older I got. And I'm finding out it's harder than ever before. And, uh, but I want to finish well. I've, I've gone this well. I've gone this far serving the Lord. I want to continue on and hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Go on. 
good soldiers of Christ go on, keep on keeping on no matter what happens and whatever comes their way. So let's keep on fighting the good fight of faith. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your word, dear God. Help us to uh, fight the good fight of faith here, here, Lord. Help us to trust and obey and constantly abide. Lord, we pray you bless in our moments of invitation this morning or this evening, rather, dear God, and pray for Christians. Lord, help us to keep on the firing line. Uh, Lord, I know it's been, uh, uh, it's been some hard days for some people in this room here, and I think, uh, think of Janet Cole that's not here tonight, Lord, and she's gone through a lot. I pray a prayer blessing on Janet as she's a good soldier of Christ, and bless her as she's taking care of her now, her ailing son, as she spent a year taking care of her dying husband, dear God, and now the same thing's happening with her 65-year-old son. I pray, Lord, that you would give Janet strength. I pray for our soldiers in this room here tonight. Pray that you give them strength to go on and pursue. Lord, give us the strength, sustaining strength, supernatural strength, in spite of mis being misunderstood and rejection and misunderstanding and criticism and, and uh, Lord, uh, uh, insurrection even. And uh, Lord, help us to go on and keep on serving you in spite of our own faults and our own sins. Thank you. May we plead the blood of Christ and go on and serve you. And we'll thank you for it. Lord, help us to constantly abide, we pray, and ask these things and bless the moments of reflection tonight. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.